Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Rare. I'm your host, Ricky, and today we are going themeless. Scandalous, I know, but we have some games we just wanted to get off our shelves and tell you about. Well, enough of the details. Let's roll the dice and get this episode started. We're back with some more great games for you, but as the intro suggested, there's no theme today. We're just talking about whatever we felt like. Yeah, because I wanted to talk about one of the new games I just got, and one of the oldest games I have. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about some games that I enjoy bringing out to the table, but don't necessarily get to do a whole lot but they don't super fit into many other categories. Yeah, like you could... But I wanted you to know about them. You can squeeze them in there, but they're just a game. (laughs) A game. A game. A fun game. I think I'll start off with my shortest and lightest game. Mm Yeah. And it's just called Voodoo Mania. Ooh, Voodoo Mania. <laughs> it's two to six players and runs 10 to 20 minutes. Mm, it's very light. Super quick. Um, the publisher is Hutch. Hutch. <laughs> Hutch. You gotta say it because it's got an exclamation point. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hutch. And Passport Game Studios. And the designer is Martin Nettergaard Anderson. There you go. Nailed it. Nailed it. Probably. So Voodoo Mania is very, very simple to play. But it's actually kind of hard. And I'll explain (laughs) that oxymoron right now. Uh, so depending on how many players there are depends on how many cards each person gets, but essentially I think you're usually, like, splitting up the cards evenly enough to where only there's maybe, like, one or two cards left over at the end, and then the card that's left over is the card that starts in the middle of the table at the beginning of the game. Um, so super, super basically... On each, so the cards are two-sided, but the one in the middle of the deck, or the middle of the table, is the one that matters at the beginning of the game. And essentially what you do in this game is there are six colors, and there are six icons. But on each card, there are five colors and five icons. So there is a color and an icon missing off each side of the card. And what you have to do is you start off with a hand of three cards. And you're trying to find a card that has the same combo color and icon that is missing from the previous card. And you lay that card on top of the other card. And then that one's missing a color and an icon. And then... It goes to where you're just filling in the missing pieces, basically, until (laughs) you're the first person to run out of cards. And it's a lot harder than it sounds. (laughs) It is a lot harder than it sounds. Like, that explanation might not have been the simplest to follow, but I hope it was. But when you're in the heat of the moment and you're trying to find the color and icon Mm -hmm. that's missing... Mm -hmm. It's so hard. It is. It's like, it's not that it's like hard to understand. It's just like one of those games where it's like while you're playing it, you're you're just like, oh my gosh, where is, yeah, oh my gosh. (laughs) So the main mechanic behind it is like item recognition is like the thing 
it's considered, which I don't know too many games that have that, so I found this game to be um, interesting, but it, it can hurt your brain, especially yeah. if like, one person is super fast and like, <laughs> you're struggling. <laughs> Because um, it is like the first person to run out of the cards mm-hmm. wins. But there are a couple of things that you can play. So when you're calling out the missing card and icon, like you call it out as you're laying it down. I think that's so everybody else knows that you found it and to maybe call you out on it if you're <laughs> doing something dumb. <laughs> Which it is very easy to accidentally put the wrong card down like you call out the wrong thing because there's when we were playing it (laughs) there's many times where like it was the right color but the wrong icon or Mm -hmm. vice versa or something so easy to get them mixed up and you're like you swear that you're missing the hat but it turns out there's already a hat there you were so sure of it (laughs) yeah so when you're playing your your game, you can only have three cards in your hand, but you can look at the front and the back to look for the thing that you're missing. And if you can't find it, you can take one of your cards from your hand and put it at the bottom of your stack and then draw one at the top, off the top. So you can cycle through your cards, but it's a matter of like managing your, making sure you only have the three cards in your hand, looking at all the sides, <laughs> trying to figure out which one's missing. And if somebody, like, finds it while you're in the middle of it, then you have to switch gears and figure out, like, the next one. So it's, like, it's very fast-paced. It's very quick. It's very panic-inducing. <laughs> but I find it f- fun and kind of hilarious. There's also uh, another rule that you can do that's super hard to actually do, is you have to find... You, another thing you can do is find a card in your hand that is missing the same color and the same item mm-hmm. as what's missing on the card in the middle, and you call out Voodoo Mania, and everybody stops. <laughs> and I, f- I, f- I forget what you actually do when you do that. Because we never got to do that. I tried so hard to be able to do it, and I don't remember why. (laughs) Because I think it's just, like, the the biggest thing is gameplay stops. Like, nobody can play cards. And I forget why you would want to do that, but then the gameplay doesn't start again until somebody lays down another card. Mm -hmm. So I I think it just kind of... (laughs) gives everybody a chance to take like a breather but i think there is a penalty of some kind for the other players if you do manage to call it out so but i i think it's a super fun game like i said i don't get it out on the table a whole lot Mm -hmm. but i think it's always fun when we do and i wish i could get it out on the table more yeah um, I did make sure, like, this was kind of an obscure game, and I got it for free at a convention. They The booth happened to have, like, a little, like, spin the wheel and get a prize kind of thing, and I happened to land on win a free game. And it was, like, a small chance of doing it, but I did it. <laughs> and that was the game that I won. And it took us a while to get it out, but when we did, I thought it was super fun. But I did check to make sure that it was still available, and it is, so you can still buy it. Well, that's good. <laughs> yes. But yeah, Voodoo Mania. Voodoo Mania! <laughs> um, well, I'm going to talk about a new game that I did just pick up um, that I've been wanting to play and had never played, didn't even really know what it was about, but it is uh, Castles of Mad King Ludwig, and it plays one to four players. It's a little bit longer. It plays 90 minutes. It's designed by Ted Allspock, I'm saying, uh, and it's published by 
Bazier Games. Probably said that wrong. Bazier? Probably Bazier. Bazier. I think I think I can see the logo in my head. Yeah. So, uh, Castles of Mad King Ludwig, it seems more complicated than what it is. The downside to it is it does have a little bit of a setup, especially when you, like, first break it out of the box because you have to punch out everything. Punchies. (laughs) So many punchies. But the point of the game is to build the best castle, and you do that. So each turn, somebody is a master builder. And what that means is that they decide how much the rooms cost. And every turn, new rooms are added into, like, the market, basically. And the master builder can determine how much the rooms cost. And by determining how much they cost, there's, like, a tracker on the, like, the main board. And then that's where all the prices are listed. And so the master builder just puts the rooms under the price that they want it to be worth, basically. And then the turn goes in clockwise order. So then the person to the left of the master builder gets to decide if they want to purchase a room. If they don't want to purchase a room, they can basically pass their turn and get 5,000 gold or francs because it's not really gold. We just call it gold. And they give that money to the master builder. So the master builder, if people buy the rooms, the master builder gets the money. If it's a room that the master builder thinks everybody wants, they can make that cost the most. And then everybody has to pay the master builder that. So if there's a lot of rooms that people want that are like they cost a little bit more, the master builder can really like rack up the money. Um, And then if the master builder buys a room, that money goes into the bank then. That's pretty much the game. I mean, it's really not much more complicated than that. You do have bonus cards. Um, Each player gets two of them, and those count at the end of the game. So like, if your bonus card is like, oh, you want a lot of like outdoor rooms and you get like two points per outdoor room, you'll kind of want to go for more outdoor rooms. But there is a deck of bonus cards because when you complete a room, you get it's a completion reward. <laughs> so when you complete the different types of rooms, I think there are like six or seven different types of rooms. So you got like your living rooms, your activity rooms, your utility rooms. So each of those rooms have a different completion bonus. And what a completion bonus is, is when you close off all the doors to the room. And when you close them off, they have to be connected to another room. Um, That's the only like stipulation with like placing the rooms is that at least one of the doors has to connect to another room or like a hallway um, and it can't overlap because some of the rooms are like circular, some of them are like little squares, um, some of them are big rectangles. The only stipulation is that they can't overlap and that the, the doors have to line up with at least one door. But if a room has multiple doors and you wind up blocking off the rooms, as long as one door connects, then that's okay. That's legal. But if you block off the other doors, you can't ever complete that room. So all the rooms have to, to be completed, it has to actually, the doorways have to actually go somewhere. And when you do that, then you get the completion bonus for that type of room. And they all have different bonus types. So, for example, if you complete a utility room, uh, you get to um, look at two bonus cards and keep one of them. And when I played it, my father-in-law was, like, completing utility rooms left and right. 
and was constantly getting more bonus cards. I think he had like his own mini deck of bonus cards at the end of the game. And he wound up going from last place to second place. So it it is beneficial to pay attention to your bonus cards. Um, when you buy the rooms and add them to your castle, they do have points. So you do get points when you buy the rooms. The different rooms have different kind of like mini bonuses. So like there are activity rooms and the activity rooms, um, you could get negative points if you attach it to like a um, sleeping room because the activity is really loud. So you don't want that next to like a bedroom basically. So if you connected an activity room to a sleeping room that would be um like for example if the room gave you five points but you connected it to a sleeping room that's minus one point so instead of getting five points you get four points and then if you connected another sleeping room to that room through like another doorway that is still a negative point for you so you do have to pay attention as you're building because some of them will give you bonuses for attaching certain rooms to each other. So like some activity rooms will give you, no, it's some like living rooms will give you a bonus if you connect them to an activity room. But some of the activity rooms will give you a negative if they are attached to a living room. So you got to really pay attention to what types of rooms get connected to what and then like what your bonus cards are but like I said that that is basically the game it was shockingly simple like when I was punching it out I was like oh my gosh I can't believe I'm gonna actually try to like learn this game and teach it at the same time but I sat down and the rules like you get a rule book but the rules themselves are like a page and a half and the rest of it is just kind of like explanations on like what the rooms are or what the cards kind of mean sort of thing. But other than that, it is shockingly simple. But that is the Castles of Mad King Ludwig. But yes, I actually have played that game. Like now that you've explained it, 100% I have played that game. It is, it's seriously like shockingly simple i was really surprised by how simple it was i did like it a lot just for some reason again my brain does not connect the name with the game (laughs) like when somebody says oh yeah this game like Mm -hmm. yeah i've never played that before (laughs) well my next game i i have i feel like it's not at all the same gameplay wise but, like, theme-wise, I feel like, maybe. But it is Council of Four. Mm-hmm. It's two to four players. And it runs 40 to 75 minutes. So it's a little longer. Mm-hmm. Not not as long as that one, maybe. I think you said that one was, like, up to 90, 90 minutes. 90 minutes. I feel like part of that might be the setup. setup. <laughs> Because I didn't feel like it was that long when we played it, but the setup was maybe like 15 minutes. Yeah. So this one is published by Simon. Good old Simon. Designers are Simone Luciani and Danielle Tassini. Very Italian. Got it, yeah. Council of Four. Um, It kind of has a worker placement feel to it, but it's not. So the gist of the game is you are merchants and you are trying to manipulate like leaders in different councils in different like regions to 
essentially make the most money. So it comes with a decent sized board and it's actually two-sided. So the setup is slightly different on each side. So there is some replay value in that. And then the cities go from like A through O, I think. Sounds um, about right. <laughs> and then uh, the board is kind of split into three regions. So there's like a sea region, a mountain region, and a forest region. Basically, I, I want to say when I looked it up on Board Game Geek, uh, the main premise of it is economy, which is a little different, <laughs> and it doesn't like when you think economy, like ooh, economy, mm, board game about economy. Yeah. But this game is surprisingly fun, like as as boring as it sounds. Yeah. So um, each region has uh, a a council, and it's made up of random figures, which does come with minis. Um, and at the beginning of the game, you just draw cards and you place, you know, the members in there based off the cards that you draw. The way you manipulate the council is you can, like, you get so many actions on your turn and of those actions you can pick so many, like, you can pick a main action and then a side action. And one of the actions you can do is manipulate the councils because you can buy things by having the cards in your hand that match the council in the region that you're trying to buy something in and the more cards that you have that match the council the less expensive money wise it is so like if you have cards that match all four members of the council you just have to pay the cards and that's it if you only have three, then you have to pay so many gold. And then if you have two, you have to pay more gold. And if you only have one, you have to pay more gold to be able to do things. So you want to manipulate the councils so it's cheaper for you to do. Another thing you want to do is buy permits. And when you buy permits, then you can, you, you have 10 little, like you have a, a main mini. That's like a representation of you. And then you have 10 smaller minis. And those are your little tokens. And when you buy and build a permit, you place a mini on the city that correlates to a letter on the permit. And when you place somebody on a city, you get a bonus that that city has. And then if you happen to have a mini in a city that's connected to that city, because there's roads connecting all the different cities it sets off like a domino effect. So every road that's connected to a city, you get that thing. And then if that city's connected to another city that you have a person in, then you get that thing. So it's constantly a build up. It's a monopoly. All these things. It really is. <laughs> so some things that you can get are servants and servants can help you do things and if you spend like so many servants maybe you can take another turn and then um, some cities will give you money some cities will up your nobility which nobility can give you bonuses and some stuff will help you build permits and then um, there's also the queen's council so the queen, if you can manipulate her council to do things, you can build in a city without having to buy a permit first. So maybe it's uh, advantageous to try to manipulate the queen's council rather than going through the necessarily hoops and loops of trying to get a permit first. So it, it's... Another one of those games where it sounds complicated and not necessarily interesting, <laughs> but when you look at the board and you like start playing it, it's not actually that complicated and it can actually go kind of quickly. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you, you played it. I know we were all super tired when we played it. I, you did play it. Yeah, I, I think it went pretty well i mean we were really tired but i think i still 
understood it. I'm not going to say I remember terribly too much of, like, how it works, but I do remember, like, the Queen's Council and, like, the nobility tracker. <laughs> and, like, I yeah. remember it, but... <laughs> yeah. Like, I, it was one of those games where I looked at it multiple times before I finally bought it. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to explain to Mike, and he didn't seem all that interested in it. But when we actually played it, we both really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like a... I think the, the fun of it is like manipulating the things to your advantage. And then the exciting thing is connecting your cities. So when you lay down a new person... You're like, oh, I get this, and then I get this, and then I get this, and this, and this, and this, and and it just feels like you're just, like, Mm -hmm. grabby. Yeah. (laughs) You just get all the things on one turn. So it's kind of like a, like I said, a domino effect Mm -hmm. once you get get it going. And then um, there's also things like if you can build, or if you can get a merchant in all the cities in one region, then you get, like, a bonus for being the first person to do that. Or if you, the different cities, there's like two that are blue and three that are yellow and four that are red and five that are purple and stuff like that. And if you're the first person to build in all of the cities in a color, then you'll get bonus points for being the first person to mm-hmm. do that. So it, it's kind of like a domino thing and a timing thing to be the first person to do that to get the most points. And mm-hmm. there's just... A lot of ways to get points, because you also get points for just sometimes by building a permit, you can get points for that, or um, building a specific city, you might get points just for building in that city or placing a merchant there, and then the game ends, I think the first person who puts all 10 other people out on the board, there's one more turn, and then the game ends, and then whoever has the most points wins i think the nobility besides like some of you get some bonuses by upping your nobility i think if for some reason there was like a tie like whoever's farther up on the nobility track wins yeah fancy (laughs) it probably sounds complicated but i promise it's fine (laughs) Council of Four. Council of Four. Well, the other game I'm going to talk about is called Ecos, the First Continent. This is a game that I got to demo and um, pick up um, pretty much right when it came out, which was pretty exciting. So it was a game that I got kind of be like first on board for so very exciting for me i'm normally nice. like i think castles of mad king ludwig came out like six years ago or something like that so yeah i am on top of it let me tell you so ecos the uh, first continent is two to six players 45 to 75 minutes because there's like a short game and a long game uh, it's designed by John D. Clare, and it is published by AEG. So, Eco's First Continent, I think there is, like, a expansion or, like, a standalone expansion. I'm not really sure. I didn't really keep up on it because I like this game, but the mechanic is a little bit weird. And I did, I did enjoy it. Um, me and Jason like to call it a a, a bingo mechanic, because <laughs> um, because the way the game works is that you kind of start off with like a little tiny continent, which it starts off like when you first play it, it suggests starting off with like two water, a grassland, and a desert. Um, but you can change it up. There's like a couple different variations that you can play and then for like when you first start a game there's like different starting hands you can have and 
um, the game very, the, like, the rule book kind of walks you through on, like, which cards you get for, like, your first hand. And then you have, you start off with three cards in front of you. And then you have a hand of, I think, like, nine cards. So you start off with 12 cards. Three are out on the table and the rest are in your hand. Um, and you start off with um, seven cubes, I believe. And then on your cards, you have, it details what the card does. And then on the left-hand side, is there's like a little bar. And it has different um, kind of pictures. And every round, one person has a bag. And in the bag are tokens that have the symbols that are on the cards. And what the person does is they pull out a token. And it'll be like a sun token. So they'll be like, it's a sun token. So everybody that has a sun symbol on their card can use one of their little blocks to fill in that space on the card. And the person with the bag keeps drawing out of the bag until they get to the wild token. But during this time, you can fill out a card. If you do fill out a card, you kind of do what the card says you do. So it's like some cards tell you to put down an animal. Some cards tell you to add land or add water. Or maybe it's telling you to move a certain animal around. Or maybe it's telling you, hey, if you fill this card out, you get to put cubes on other cards that have like this symbol instead sort of thing so like one of the cards i had if a sun symbol was called out that filled in this one card but basically that card just said hey you can use this as like another symbol like i think it's like the algae symbol or something like that i don't think at least not in the rule book there's not a name for like what each of the symbols mean we sort of just gave them our own names like the sun is pretty obvious um, and then there's one that's like a deer, um, but the other ones are very like up to interpretation <laughs> on what they like, what you think they look like sort of thing. It's an amoeba. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then um, some of the cards that you can fill out um, tell you that you get points on the point tracker. Um, so like a short game is up to 60 points and a long game is up to 80 points. Um, if you want to play like a super, super short game, like we did the other night, we play to like 30 points. So the game does start to like, it starts off a little bit slow because like nobody really has cards generally that start off with like things that you can do right away. But once the cards fill out, um, there are some cards that you can kind of turn them and you can use them multiple times. Um, you also have your little player token that also kind of uh, reminds you what color your little cube is for the points tracker um, and that details uh, I think if I remember right kind of what you can do every turn which is not really a whole lot but if you get a symbol that matches one on your card but you don't want to move a cube you can turn your little tile and as you do that um, you can take different actions um, one of the different actions you can take is you can play a card from your hand onto the table. Um, if you turn it another time, you can get another cube. Um, so that way you can keep filling in your cards because you only start off with seven. So that means you can only fill in like maybe one or two cards. Um, the more cubes you get, the more cards you can fill out all at once. That's why we say it's like a a bingo mechanic because one player is like calling out symbols and then you're filling them on your cards <laughs> it sounds a little bit complicated it's not super complicated there's just a lot of cards and a lot of tiles and just a lot of things you can do but it is relatively straightforward i really enjoyed it I didn't enjoy it enough to pay attention to what other games were coming out with it. Like, I don't know if the one that just came out is a standalone expansion. If it's a straight-up expansion, I'm not really sure. 
<laughs> but I did, I did really like this one because you get, you get little trees and you got little mountains that you can put down and the little animal tokens, they all come in like, well, you build the boxes out of like the cardboard punch outs, but you build the little boxes to put the tokens in and then they, they have like a little lid so they all stay in place. I will say the box itself is not super great for everything because like the tile, like everything just fits into the box. I don't know how you can fit it easier into the box, but the tiles just kind of slide around everywhere. And I did have like one of the first like boxes of it, so I don't know if they have change the box since I've gotten it but I just took I wound up taking the insert out because it was just taking up space and it wasn't helping anything that's kind of a, a point against it the box is not super great there's not places for anything it's literally just the box <laughs> so um but yeah it's 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 different I've never really seen a game with like a kind of bingo mechanic but it's always really fun <laughs> to play because <laughs> sun sun does anybody have a sun <laughs> bingo <laughs> so um i i recommend getting it 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 can play a decent number of people um and it's kind of like everybody is kind of going at once so there's not really downtime between players which i do really like games that do that um, it doesn't just focus on one player the entire time. So, um, yeah, that's Ecoast, First Continent. <laughs> I feel like explaining games can make them sound way more complicated than yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. Because a, a lot of times, too, explaining the game, you don't always tell it the most, like, straightforward yeah. way. So it sounds more complicated, but a lot of times a game will come with like a player reference card, and if they can mm -hmm. fit the rules onto like a one player card, yes, then they're actually pretty. It's, it's easier than what it sounds yeah. like, even if the rule book is kind of big. Usually, it's pretty simplified. They just go into like explanations and examples yeah. and stuff like that. So. We promise the games that we talk about are fun. <laughs> Unless we specifically say we don't like it. Yes. <laughs> Just wanted to throw that yeah. out there. Just tossing that out there. My next game. This is a game that I demoed and bought from the demo. And I really like playing it, but I don't get it out super often because it, it, I think it's really fun, but it's just different enough. Yeah. But it's called Cursed Court. It's two to six people and it runs 30 to 60 minutes. And this game is considered like a betting slash bluffing game. Ooh. It comes with a... Oh, it's published by Atlas Games. <laughs> so, uh, not... I don't have a super lot of Atlas games, but I do tend to like their mm -hmm. games when we do get them. And the designer is Andrew Hansen. Simple enough. Yeah. <laughs> So in Cursed Court, it's played over the four seasons and then over three years. Okay. And it's kind I again, it kind of feels like similar to Council 4 where you're kind of like manipulating things, but not. But it, it's kind of got like the same theme, like mm -hmm. it's kind of like renaissance-y feeling oh, okay. um so there's a board and on the board there are nine people so there's like a king and a queen 
and an assassin and uh you always need uh, an assassin <laughs> and uh, stuff like that and then the the thing that makes this a little bit different because there's hidden information and there's public information so the hidden information is when you're setting up the game there's a card that goes between you and the person next to you on both sides okay and you are allowed to look at the cards on either side of you, mm-hmm. but so is the other person. Okay. So there's two cards that you can always look at. Everybody has two cards you can look at. And then um, there's always one card that gets turned up at the beginning of the game, and then each season, another card gets turned up. So oh, okay. the hidden information is what's between you and the other the people next to you, and then there's the tableau that has like the public information. So... Uh, what you're doing is you you get like 20 coins and four little crown things. And what you're doing is you're placing bets with your coins. And there's different combinations of the board. So like straight across, up and down, diagonal, four corners, four cent- centers. And what you're betting on are the people who are on the table. And that's including the hidden ones and the ones that are public. And so on your turn, you place a bet. That's basically what you do is you place a bet. Okay. And the amount of coins you place is like how strong of a hold you have on a particular person or placement on the board. And... So if you're like super confident that somebody is on the in the on the table or mm-hmm. on the tableau, you're gonna want to put more coins. Starting off, you usually put like one or two coins because you don't know that much mm-hmm. yet. There's like just three pieces of information, but um, somebody can knock you off by betting higher for something. Okay. And then if you get bumped, then, you know, you get to place your piece again until um, everybody's placed the crown in spring and then second, summer, fall, winter. And then at the end, all cards are revealed. And if you've placed a bet on somebody who wasn't on the table that's been revealed, your marker gets taken off. And obviously, if you're going for points you you're not going to get it because you you that got knocked off Mm -hmm. so what you're trying to do is get a certain combination and you have to be correct on the people who are on the table to be able to score points sounds complicated (laughs) i don't know um but the way the reason it's considered a bluffing thing is because you could like bet on somebody and try to make it like like you're super confident that that person's there, mm-hmm. and have somebody like try to outbid you on it, mm-hmm. and even and you know you could actually know that that person is probably not mm-hmm. on the table at all. Yeah. So that's where the bluffing comes in is you're trying okay. to get people to bid on something that's not actually there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, basically, at the end of the three years, whoever has the most points wins, but. I don't know. Like, it's not a game type that I've seen super often. Yeah. Like, even in a betting, like, sense. Because there's not... I actually don't know many betting games in general anyway. Yeah. I know there's a few, I'm sure. But I don't know. I just... I really liked the idea of this game. I liked the the betting aspect of it. I liked the fact that there was hidden information and public information and that like each season more information comes out but you can there's like just secret information it it sounds like vaguely familiar either like i've heard of another game that like it has a similar like theme as far as like um the years and the seasons and that sort of thing or just Something along those lines, it's like, it's making me go, this sounds vaguely familiar, but I can't say I have 
played this game or a game like it before. It just I, it sounds mm-hmm. like I maybe heard somebody else talk about it maybe or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and I think the only reason it runs up to an hour, because it can go by pretty quickly mm-hmm. if everybody's just like betting. But if you're trying to do like the deception and you're or like if you're like talking, trying to outbid somebody then, you know, it takes more time because Mm -hmm. that person has to bid again. Yeah. Until, because, like, everybody has to have the same amount of tokens on the board for the amount, for, like, the season that it is. Mm -hmm. So, like, the first one, everybody has to have one token out. Second season, everybody has to have two. So if you get bumped, you have to go until you have two out on the board. So if if you're constantly bumping people, it can take more time. But that adds to the fun of it, I think. But like I said, I super enjoyed demoing this game. We did kind of do like a short condensed version while demoing it because we didn't have that many people demoing it at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely say it's better with more people than less people. Mm-hmm. I I really like getting it out, and I want to get it out more, just because it's 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 unique. It's not something that's a super common, like bluffing is super common, yeah. I guess. But like this certain combination and the way that it's done is mm-hmm. not super common. Yeah. So I I think it's interesting and different enough, and I enjoy it. But yeah, Cursed Court. Cursed Court. Alright, well, I'm going to talk about one of the first kind of modern board games that I bought. Because I demoed it, thought it was hilarious, and then bought it. And it's not... I mean, it's 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 a, it's a funny game. Because it's, it's called Nuns on the Run. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, it is two to eight players. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah, it's uh, 45 minutes. It's designed by Frederick Moyersowen, and it's published by Mayfair Games. Okay. Um, so the reason it is two to eight is that there are six novices and two guards so normally at least one person is both the guard so like if you're playing with seven people the seventh person is playing both the guards but if you're playing with eight people there can be two separate guards but otherwise one person is playing as both the guards there's not really a benefit or disadvantage um, to separating the guards because they they're both played vaguely the same way um, but the way the way nuns on the run works is that if you are a novice nun you are trying to get what they call a secret wish um, so each nun or each novice nun gets a secret wish they keep it secret from all the other players they're the only ones that know what their um, secret wish is Um, they can be something as simple as a letter from your mom or it can be a uh, book of dark magic so (laughs) they can kind of uh, swing wildly on what kind of secret it is <laughs> um but this is a hidden movement game so each each novice nun gets a um a pad that they are keeping track of their movements on the board so their figure is staying in their little room the guards are moving but the guards are on a set path so whoever's playing the guard um, plays down what their set path is and they move along, along it like normal. The nuns or the novice nuns, I get confused because the guards are also nuns. <laughs> the novice nuns have four different movement cards. One of the cards is where they're not moving at all. 
Um, one of the cards is where they're sneaking, one of the cards is where they're walking, and another card is where they're straight up running. The novice nuns roll a die when they move, or when they don't move, for example, when they're hiding. It's a normal six-sided dice. So the way the way the the noise works is that you roll the dice. So if you are sneaking, that is a minus two to your dice roll. So if you roll a six-sided dice and you get a three, then it is only a one. And that is the um, number of spaces that the guard can hear you from. So if you roll really low, there's a chance that the guards aren't going to hear you at all. But if you're running and you roll a six, they can hear you up to six spaces away. So that kind of can draw their attention more quickly. But if you're nowhere near the nuns, then you're pretty safe to run. So like if, because the guard nuns are always visible on the map. And the guard nuns, they actually have, they're, they're double-sided. And the one side is their backside. So if you are behind them, they can't see you, but they do have a line of sight. And it does come with like a line of sight, like straight edge sort of thing. But the back of the rule book also kind of gives a line of sight, like examples or not examples, but like from what room to what room can the guards actually have a line of sight from because there are um obstacles that they can't see through but then there's like totally open areas like I think the garden is a totally open area that they can see you no matter what but for the novice nuns they have to get a key and then they have to go to their secret wish and then they have to make it back to their room and they have to mark on their sheet when they make it to their key and then when they make it to their secret wish and on the secret wish card it does detail what number the key is at and then what number their secret wish is at and normally they're on like separate sides of the map so they do it on purpose so that way you have to like travel across the map no matter what so the keys are always tied in with the secret wish everybody also gets a blessing including the guards <laughs> okay <laughs> it's a card that you can discard to use the ability for it's a one and done sort of situation so there's like a number of novices captured tracker for the guards and if the guards score points equal to the number of players they win so if there are uh, three players and the guards catch three players or if they catch the same player three times uh the guards win so that is it's it's kind of a quick and dirty there's there is a little bit more to the game but that's kind of the base of the game the the board itself is is pretty well detailed we really got a kick out of like the hidden movement so you just keep track of how far you're novice is moving and make sure you're moving correctly so you just write where you start where you're going what card you're playing that sort of thing but otherwise it is relatively straightforward it took us a uh, kind of like a hot minute to kind of like figure out what was going on but once we figured it out it was relatively simple once we knew what we were doing we could teach it to you know, people who weren't super sure what they were doing sort of thing. So it is a game that you kind of benefit from having somebody who already knows what they're doing or how it's working sort of thing. Yeah, it's, it's one of the first games that I demoed getting into board gaming. And I thought it was a mechanic that I hadn't really seen before. I'm sure there are other like plenty of other like hidden movement sort of games. But I I enjoyed the theme of it. I thought it was funny having uh, n like novice nuns sneaking out for various reasons from, you know, birthday cakes to alcohol to dark magic. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's Nuns on the Run. Fun, fun. 
Nuns on the run. Fun, fun. Fun, fun, nuns on the run. Those are some games that we just wanted to talk about, and we hope you enjoyed them <laughs> and buy them. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, those, those are all games, like, especially, like, nuns on the run i'm like i don't know of too many other games that use those sort of mechanics i don't want to try to like put it in a box (laughs) i i only can think of one other hidden movement well two i can think of two other (laughs) but it's not everybody is a hidden movement it's just one person because i feel like because this is what i get for listening back to like old episodes fairly recently i think mr Mr. jack Jack. yeah Yeah, mr jack and then um there's a game called white chapel but it's It's one again jack the rep it's still jack the ripper so it's kind of along the same theme Mm -hmm. and it's basically like one person plays jack and the other person plays like scotland yard and they're Mm -hmm. trying to find him yeah kind of thing so that's like the only other hidden movement but it's like one versus one kind of thing or like just one person is hidden not everybody yeah so that's the only one that i know of Mm -hmm. that like everybody is off the top of my head off the top of your head yeah 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 because that's it's just that and like the the bingo mechanic of uh ecos and i don't know what mad king ludwig buying (laughs) castles (laughs) like they're all just i'm sure if i actually sat down and thought about it i'm sure i could find places for those games but i'm just like i just like those games because they're fun games i'm gonna talk about them yeah <laughs> yeah yeah mine were ones that like i said i i like getting them out on the table but i don't get them out as often as mm-hmm. i would like to get them out they all do play two player i think voodoo mania is fine with two player but the other two i feel are a little bit better with more people mm-hmm. so it's not that we can't get it out with just two people. It's just not as fun, fun. with just yeah. two people. Yeah, because I'm not sure so. if I would want to play Nuns on the Run with just two people. Because it seems a little bit... Because like the, the, the guards would just be looking for one nun, I think. Unless the two-player variant has one person playing two. I'm not... I've never played the, the two-player version. So I'm not sure if it's different or not. I could... I could see it where, like, they maybe have to play more than one person, but mm-hmm. then that's not really fun Mm-mm. for the one person either. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. I'd probably say it's, uh, I mean, you never know until you try, yeah. but I have, I'd, uh, I'd probably say it probably yeah. would be better with more people. I haven't played it with eight. I can't, I either want to play it, I've played it with seven or I've played it with six, but it was, it was really fun. It was really chaotic when all the novices like reveal their cards at the end of the game it's really funny to find out like we were all basically like on top of each other at one point (laughs) and you just didn't know it yeah so it was it was fun glad you could join us for us just talking about different types of games (laughs) yeah need to do it more often (laughs) yeah talking about some games (laughs) do you like the dice that come in like the little like square containers or do you like the dice that come in like the tube containers or do you just make your own container for dice like you have a dice bag or or do you make your own dice (laughs) Ooh, yeah because i've seen people make dice they're so cool have you seen the baked bean dice (laughs) Uh, no but i since i like dice i tend to get like ads for dice oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> on like facebook and stuff and there's like some that have like little figures in them oh and it oh, just yeah. makes me wonder how that if it throws off yeah right the weight or like the probability yeah of the dice. yeah or like so there's a question if if you make dice or know somebody who makes dice 
how do you keep the balance or the fairness of the dice if you add things into the like the resin? Yeah. Just that's what I want. All the dice questions. <laughs> and uh, you can answer us like if you ever don't want to like you know blast it out you know into the void or what have you i mean we normally post about um the episode so you can comment on the episode directly or you can um message us separately or however you decide you can tag us or however you feel and we're on facebook at uncontrollably fine or on Instagram or Twitter at uncontrolfine. Instagram always has pretty pictures. I mean, Twitter and Facebook do too, but we like to post them on Instagram. So, special pictures there for you. <laughs> Give them a like, a heart, whatever's on Instagram. <laughs> We hope to hear from you, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye.